Hallelujah, Christ is risen. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples what is going to happen next, and to ease their concerns about it. It takes a long time for Jesus to get his message across. Indeed, John devotes four whole chapters to this conversation, which takes place between the foot washing at the Last Supper and Jesus's arrest in the garden. And the hard part for Jesus, what takes up these four chapters, is not explaining that he's going away, it's trying to ease the anxiety of his friends about what will happen after he's gone. Now for a church that's in the middle of a search process, that might have a familiar ring to it. Jesus is departing, and the disciples are going to get a replacement, a Messiah in charge, an interim savior in the form of the Holy Spirit before they transition to their new calling. And everything about the transition is causing anxiety for Jesus's friends. Now, please don't think I'm suggesting that any person or part of the transition process here at St. Wilfrid's corresponds with Jesus or the Holy Spirit or God the Father. That would be an unhealthy burden to place on any human being. But John's gospel does remind us that change always brings uncertainty and anxiety. I'm sure you've had plenty of chances to notice that over the difficulties of the last couple of years into the current stage of the search for a new permanent rector. And doesn't that word permanent sound really inviting right now? And especially in our dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. In spite of all, this is a pretty healthy, caring and resourceful community. And most of the stress around here that I've noticed is related to the current crisis and not to the leadership transition. But there's still a bit of the normal worry that the search isn't going fast enough or that not everyone's opinion, meaning their own opinion, will be heard. And some general worry about whether things are going to get even worse in some way during the transition or after it. If you have had some of those worries, you have good, solid biblical precedent. The disciples in John's gospel reacted in much the same way as they tried to understand what Jesus' departure meant for them personally and for the community. Why must you go and what will happen to us were the questions on the disciples' lips. Certainly anxiety about change is not everyone's story, not everyone's reality. Some people approach change with more excitement than anxiety, while others are not as invested in the process or the outcome, and some respond to uncertainty by just disengaging. But if you're one of those who is worried, I want to remind you of what Jesus said to his anxious disciples. No matter what happens, though priests and leaders come and go, whether we can gather in church or we must stay at home, you don't need to be anxious because you're not being left alone. If you love me, Jesus says, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Yeah, well, that's easy for Jesus to say. What about us? We don't know whether things are gonna get better or worse for us tomorrow or next week or next year. We don't know, know whether our needs will be met whether our priorities will still be important, whether our voices will be heard. 
we don't know what's going to happen. Change, even change for the better, if that's what any of this is, also brings loss, also brings fear. But that's the essence of Jesus' last long conversation with his disciples. The disciples keep giving voice to their anxieties. We don't know where you're going. What does Jesus mean when he says to us, a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Or, because I'm going to the Father. What does Jesus mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. And Jesus responds, not by telling them that everything's going to be all right, not by saying that none of the things they are afraid of will happen. Instead, in typical Jesus fashion, fashion he actually says that even worse things than those they fear might happen, both to them and to Jesus. But, and this is the point he makes over and over in as many ways as he can think of, whatever happens, they will not face it alone. Peace I give to you. My own peace I leave with you. The Father and I will make our home with you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And in Jesus' words that we heard last Sunday, from the beginning of this same chapter, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, the good or the bad. Times of obvious transition, times of crisis, may help us to remember that that has always been true, even when all seemed to be on a smooth and steady course. Uncertainty is the state of the world and the state of our existence. We never know what tomorrow will bring, but we do know that whatever it brings, we will not have to face it alone. The Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Comforter whom Jesus promised to send is always here. And you don't have to look very hard to see the presence of the Spirit in this community. Strange and wonderful things happen when we follow Jesus. Who could have predicted that the same man who in last Sunday's first reading was the official witness to the stoning of St. Stephen for being a follower of Jesus would, such a short time later, be standing in the square in Athens, telling the Epicureans that the selfsame Jesus, whose followers he had been persecuting, was not only the son of the one true living God, but that that God was no stranger to the Athenians, but although they did not know God by name, God's temple had been in their city all along, right here near where he was standing. God is in our midst, even when we don't know it. God, whom Jesus says is in us because we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, is never away from us, even when we try to take ourselves far from God. And Jesus, who went away and is coming back, is nonetheless here whenever we gather in his name. We are his visible body in the world, 
And how could Jesus be closer to us than that? And we are confident of that, even if our gathering is virtual, even if our connection to one another can only be expressed at a distance instead of by an embrace, commingled voices, or bread and wine taken together. Which should remind us that not only do we also do we have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit with us always, we also have each other. Individuals may come and go, friends, family, leaders, and strangers, but the body remains whole. We need not face anxious times alone because Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has called us together to be one another's advocates, companions, friends, and family. And that is the peace that Jesus gives us. That is the peace that Jesus leaves with us. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid, which is Jesus's way of saying, just relax. Actually, we don't have any record of Jesus saying, just relax, but he did say, don't be anxious. And he did say, don't be afraid. And he said those words over and over and over again because he knew we would have a hard time following them. But we can just relax. We can lay down our fears and anxieties, put them in Jesus's care, because although we are always walking the paths of change, whether we know it or not, we never walk them alone. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Amen.